Music. Now we have music. <laughs> hey, y'all. This is Chris Roth here with Bushido Scroll with your weekly knock activism wrap up. Uh, well, today today we're gonna we're gonna be talking about COVID um, and more COVID and mostly COVID. Uh, also, the cops. The cops are fucking bad. Uh, the cops are really bad. It's all bad, Chris. <laughs> it's really bad. No, 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 no. There is one one glimmer. There is one glimmer of hope, and we will get to that. Um, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll save that one. And it's actually coming from you know one of the city council members who I would not expect to be a glimmer of hope, but is proving to be one uh, in these troubled times. Um, but first things first, how are things going for you, Bushido Squirrel? Uh, it's going all right. Um, you know, so I've got I have my my camo on, um, yeah. so I can evade our murderous governor. Um, because he's he's clearly trying to kill. Oh shit! I forgot to send that. Tweet. All of us. He's going to graphic. kill all of us, mm-hmm. and uh, there's not much we can do to stop him. We'll cover that one a little bit later. Uh, but the the thing I want to touch on before that is, um, you know, Fuck inauguration is going on in downtown. day. <laughs> there's like there's a semi trailer blasting horns very loudly, like for the I sixth time today. You could hear it. Like I don't know what is going on. My window is open. I don't know why. We're getting to hear that, but uh, could please go back to uh, the topic of inauguration day. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, if you're listening to the podcast on Tuesday, then congratulations, um, we've officially made it 20 days without an attempted coup. Hey, so give yourselves a round of applause. Um, but uh, there was some action here in in downtown LA because like inauguration day went down like you know it was a stupid pageant and a lot of dumb shit happened and Bernie sat on a chair and that was the one ray of shining hope. Um, across this nation. But other than that, it was a whole lot of, like, nothingness and and empty bullshit. Uh, However, uh, yes, exactly. Um, We're all trying to survive the gab. Uh, But uh, here in downtown L.A., there was a very small action. It was, like, maybe 30 to 50 people uh, had gathered outside of uh, City Hall to protest what was going on and, like, the fact that, like, L.A. is still an incredibly broken city. And for some reason, LAPD's Mounted Division, which is a part of the elite metro division uh showed up i to thought like, we had banned saying elite in front of metro division because they quotes i oh fair 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 but Fuck but them. um yes but their uh, their mounted division showed up and decided to like do an old school cavalry charge oh, yeah. on these completely peaceful protesters like there was nothing happening and like for some reason, LAPD decided that they needed to, like, run down a bunch of protesters. So let's show this first video, which is a first-person perspective of the uh, the cops chasing people uh, for really no reason. It's it's absolutely fucking wild. Here we go. Jesus, that is... Yeah. What? Ah, this is the the famous baton, according to the L.A. Times, which is actually a boken like the the mounted officers carry wooden swords like that. I've used an Aikido practice like it's an actual like it's a wooden sword. And that's what they use instead of batons, because like a wooden katana is pretty long. Like you can, you know, whack someone pretty good on the head with that. uh, And it hurts quite a bit. Uh, But I have a second video here I want to show because like that first video is really chaotic. The second video shows a little bit wider perspective so you can see exactly what was going on and how close these these cops came to just, like, 
trampling people with horses, which if you haven't seen a horse, they're much larger and heavier than a person. And they've got really hard, sharp hooves that have like iron shoes on them that really, really hurt. So if let's you see haven't the second seen video. a horse, who hasn't seen a horse? Who listening to this pot squirrel? Who listening to this podcast doesn't know what a horse is? I mean, look, you may have led a very sheltered life. You may have only seen pictures of horses <laughs> without a human anywhere around them for perspective. <laughs> They're huge. Maybe you've right, only here. encountered maybe you've only encountered Shetland ponies. Yeah? yeah. Or the mini horses. Mini horses are adorable. That, that's what a that's what a Shetland is. Are they? You I thought the Shetland ponies yeah. were separate. I whatever. Here's the video. Of course they've got fucking this cop sucks. cowboy hats. Yep. What the fuck? And yeah, you can see the, the crowd moving away and the, the cops just pushing into them. A few people sort of try to resist, but you're not going to stand up against a horse. What the fuck is going on? Clear the area. Okay. This is new and terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's this video from? Do we know? I, I forgot to grab the. I forgot to grab the the name, unfortunately. Um, and I don't want to like. I'm also sort of like outside of journalists who identify themselves at actions. I tend not to to try and ID people. Um, sure. But that one was like that was scary. Like, that was the cops, like, trying to run people down, um, all for the crime of standing on a sidewalk that our tax dollars pay for. And, like, the cops stopped the charge as soon as they got to the end of the sidewalk. Like, they forced people into the street, which is more illegal than standing on the sidewalk. So I don't know why that happened. But in a, a very interesting uh, uh, turn of events, it turns out LAPD is not supposed to do this anymore because uh, they got sued and Carol Sobel was in the LA Times talking about how she sued them years ago to make them stop doing this thing because it's dangerous and stupid and a terrible crowd control tactic. Like, it's uh, it's just yeah. very frustrating that, like, on, on January 6th, when there was a literal, like, insurrection, there was a bunch of insurrectionists at City Hall they're allowed to do their thing and beat somebody up in full view of LAPD, and they did nothing. On Inauguration Day, a bunch of roofers and other community members showed up and suddenly get, like, run down by the fucking cavalry. So, you know, LAPD still just being shitty. I, that's kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save most of my um, um, apoplexion, I'll say. For when we get to the the Gavin or Newsom stuff, oh, we'll when the get there. when we have to lay into the Gavinator. Uh, but yeah. before we do that, Chris, how's uh, how's your week going? Uh, well, oh, wait, actually, also be before that, I am gonna yeah. I am gonna brag for a minute. Um, yeah. uh, humble brag, like uh, I got my first shot of the Moderna vaccine on Friday, hey. so that was good. There was a lot of people there. Um, everyone over the age of sixty five, pretty much. Um, as a frontline healthcare worker, I was able to get into Tier One A. So I'm actually pretty excited about that because, um, you know, vaccination is well, good and hopefully soon everyone will have them. Absolutely. And congratulations on that. Um, but before we go in, I actually wanted to read just a couple of the paragraphs from this piece about, oh, go for it. about the fact that the cops uh, should not be on horseback. Uh, this is from the L.A. Times article that is uh, headlined uh, LAPD's use of horses to clear crowd condemned by activists, civil rights leaders. Uh, this is from Kevin Rector and James Queeley. So it starts, quote, 
The Los Angeles Police Department's use of officers on horseback to confront a crowd of people in downtown L.A. on Inauguration Day is being condemned by activists and longtime civil rights leaders as a dangerous violation of past reforms. Quote, it's like deja vu, said Carol Sobel, a prominent attorney whose litigation has forced the LAPD to scale back aggressive crowd control practices in the past. Sobel said the LAPD used to regularly use its mounted unit to clear crowds, which she called, quote unquote, medieval, but had changed its tactics in recent years after she and others won settlements, restricting some of the department's more aggressive tactics at protests. So <clears throat> just as a quick throwback, that actually... Uh, this brings to mind what we saw in the streets uh, after the Lakers won. Um, I don't know if you remember that one, Squirrel, but when the Wake when mm -hmm. the Lakers won, like the cops that showed was up a that was a crazy night. The cops went on a riot. Um, they showed up on horseback for that shit and used them used the horses in uh, the area around Staples Center for no fucking reason while they were simultaneously shooting rubber bullets into people's faces and breaking their eye sockets and exploding their eyeballs. So, uh, yeah, LAPD, uh, definitely not doing anyone any favors in terms of protecting and serving. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I've been doing all right. Um, you know, I apparently have, uh, need to change how I use my bike because I'm breaking things. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing well and enjoying a, a bunch of, uh, more, more cooking stuff and getting, uh, apoplectic online about how shitty a city council is and looking forward to doing more of that this week because that's what I do in quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, bake, bake more bread. Yeah, I, I, I will definitely be doing that. Um, but, uh, things are. Like yeah, I say it's still in quarantine because like I'm doing everything within my power to not leave the, my house, uh, except when it is absolutely necessary to do so. Um, but apparently, uh, that, that not everybody's doing that first of all. And also the governor uh, wants to murder us. Tracking the coronavirus in California and Los Angeles. So, um, <sighs> fuck, here we go. As of this recording, we are now at 3,176,457 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California. That is 181,709 new cases in the past week. Uh, we had 17,926 new cases of the virus recorded statewide yesterday with another uh, almost 14,000 new cases so far today. And that number is from uh, a little while ago. They haven't really updated it. So uh, like LA County is not updating their numbers like at all maybe that has something to do with the testing shortages um yep. but yeah so the uh we, we are still seeing that the latino population across the state of california is being massively disproportionately impacted uh suffering uh covid infections uh recording cases of covid at twice the rate of literally everyone else um and then some uh, it's bleak. The positivity we're seeing actually has dropped off significantly in the last week, which is, uh, I mean, it's good to see the positivity dropping. Uh, it's still mm -hmm. pretty damn high. It's still at 8.1%, but it has dropped off, uh, significantly from the like 14 plus percentage, uh, positivity rate that we were seeing before. But, um, the, you were mentioning this before the, the testing availability, the new tests by day has dropped off 
considerably. We're now back into this little, we had a bit of a lull in testing right around New Year's uh, statewide uh, before it ramped back up again for the last, uh, for the next couple of weeks. And then over the past week, it has really just dropped off. The availability of, of people to go and get tested has really kind of disappeared in no small part thanks to the fact that, oh, I don't know, uh, Dodger Stadium, the the country's largest testing facility, was shut down and converted into a mass vaccination site, which is necessary. But simultaneously, like part of the reason why we're seeing those new cases dropping off is because we just aren't testing for them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, that falls into the same thing where people were, were, were making estimates what that they think that like a third of Los Angeles County has uh, been infected at this rate uh, at this point in time, and it, it, it's absolutely just insane numbers. Uh, when we're looking at intensive care and other hospitalization across the state, we are seeing a decline um, back to numbers that we were seeing at the beginning of December, uh, kind of, which is good. We're, we're not there yet. Like at the beginning of December, we were um, actually, I think we were below 10,000 hospitalizations. We're still sitting at over 17,000 or so, um, but it's still it's significantly better than the 21,000 people that we had uh, hospitalized earlier at the beginning of the month. Um, so that's good. Uh, the ICU utilization is still pretty flat. It hasn't really dropped off since it crested. Um, so we're, we're still seeing the ICU availability uh, or the number of beds available across the entire state at 1,168. That number really has not moved. Uh, it is not tracked in the upward position that you would think would be necessary before uh, the other news item we're going to get to happened, but it happened anyway because the governor wants to kill us all. Uh, availability of ICU beds by region. We're still looking at the Bay Area being very much not at that 15% that rate that we're supposed to have before things can stop being absolutely shitty. Uh, Sacramento is still at 9.9. Bay Area, by the way, is at 8.2. Northern California is at almost 50%, which good for them. Uh, whereas the San Joaquin Valley and Southern California are both still flatlined at literally zero availability for ICU beds. Um, but somehow that justifies us reopening everything. Again, spoiler, we're going to talk about that in a minute. When we're looking at cumulative cases, we're still seeing Lassen and uh, Imperial in Kings County leading the way with San Bernardino and Riverside in L.A. County following not too far behind. Oh, and Kern County, by the way. Um, all with more than a 10% infection rate um, in in the counties of recorded cases. This is confirmed positive cases of COVID-19. This is not talking about all the people who got infected were asymptomatic and never got tested for it, or people who were infected were symptomatic, but managed to recover and not need hospitalization, but also didn't necessarily get tested because, again, testing is not super fucking easy. Um, when we're looking at the case distribution, we're still seeing that there is an over overrepresentation of cases amongst the 18 to 49, uh, 18 to 49-year-old demographics with a slight overrepresentation in 50 to 59. Uh, but we're also still seeing those numbers of 80-plus-year-olds uh, being disproportionately, they represent something like 42% of the deaths due to the virus, um, which... And then, you know, 75 to 79-year-olds, a much smaller demographic than 80-plus, but they still account for 12%, same thing with 70 to 74%, and it keeps on ticking down the line, which is part of why it's so important for everybody who is over the age of 65, uh, frankly, over the age of 60, 
uh, mm-hmm. to be prioritized for vaccination, but we'll get into that in more detail later. When we're looking at the actual number of deaths uh, in the state due to the virus, we are now up to 37,369 deaths due to the state due to the virus in the state of California. Um, 275 of them yesterday, 250 reported so far today. Um, let me double check to see the number because I forgot to update this in my thing. Uh, there are, we're, we're up to 2,191,111 vaccines administered so far with 191,475 jabs delivered yesterday. Actually, no, I did update that in my, I, I'm just not giving myself credit. Whatever. Uh, moving on from the state of California. Uh, oh, wait, not not done yet. Sorry. Uh, state prisons uh, still at 46,460 cumulative cases. Not still at. It has, it has grown to 46,460. This is for uh, does not include federal prisons, immigration detention facilities, local jails. Uh, this is state prison facilities across all of California, um, which is terrifying. That is still a massive hotbed for um, COVID infections. And frankly, thanks to the fact that our uh, criminal carceral system is so fucking racist, they really should be prioritizing the jabs for inmates as well, because this shit's bleak. And Cuomo has straight up said he's not going to vaccinate inmates, no matter how risk, like what, what risk category they fall into. Um, which is just cruel and murderous and pointless for, especially when you have a criminal justice system where we know like a large percentage of the people in there probably didn't commit the crime that they were convicted of, and the crime that they were convicted of probably wasn't that serious to begin with, um, but they're just victims of this drive towards mass incarceration. <sighs> I mean, yeah, we don't have time to go into how fucked the entire system is. Um, looking now to Los Angeles, we are, I mean, I got, I got time, Chris. I don't know what you've got to do, but I'm kidding. It's, it's like, where do you start? Right. Where do you even fucking start? Um, shit. All right. LA County, 1,073,156 confirmed cases of COVID-19. As of today, uh, 7,651 new cases reported today. Uh, or sorry, reported yesterday. Again, they haven't reported the numbers for today. Um, seeing a massive drop-off here. So it plateaued right around 15,000 uh, cases per day by seven-day average. Um, again, with that massive spike the day after Christmas um, of nearly 30,000 fucking cases in a day. Uh, but our, our seven-day average is, is now sitting at around um, you know 8,000-ish new cases per day here in LA County. So that actually matches up pretty closely with the 7,600 that we reported yesterday. Um, There have been 48,859 new cases since we last recorded on Monday. Uh, Yeah. Our, our hospitalization intensive care utilization does mirror exactly what's going on in the County um, with our ICU bed availability still being pretty flat since the middle of December. Um, when you look at the, the actual utilization of the hospitals, they're all still pinged above 95% total occupancy, um, which actually, sorry, let me just recorrect, correct that. They are all literally at hundred percent occupation or hundred percent occupancy with the exception of Kindred Hospital South Bay, which is at 102 and Cedar sinai at a whopping 133% capacity because that's safe. Um, <laughs> 
for more context of why the governor's new decisions are so fucking stupid, let's look yep. at the uh, tier ranking systems and the statistics that are necessary to get into the quote-unquote safer tiers where things are supposed to be opening up again. And you realize that we're totally fucked. Like, there is no goddamn reason why anything should be reopening at this stage. Our adjusted case rate is at 75.3. It needs to be below 7 for us to get out of tier 1. 75.3 is very fucking high compared to 7. The positivity rate of our tests is currently sitting in L.A. County at 17.1%. It needs to drop below 8% before we can get into Tier 2. Our equity index is at 22.4%. It needs to drop below 8.0% to get down into Tier 2. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck? I, well, I that, mean, was one of the, that was one of the things that people were trying to use as a defense for this was that the the tier system is going to protect us, that that's going to be a good way for us to move forward and that <laughs> it will provide uh, the counties a way to have a stricter lockdown. Um, but as we'll go into, nobody at the county level seems to be of that same mind, seeing as they're all rushing to reopen everything so they can go out to their favorite fancy restaurant. <sighs> this yep. sucks. Uh, yep. we like blah, blah, blah. we're now up to fuck, fifteen thousand two hundred sixty-two deaths in the county due to the virus. Seventy-eight deaths yesterday, despite the recent drops in new cases. The seven-day average here in LA County does remain at right around two hundred deaths per day at this point. Um, it's fucking bleak. It's really bad. We don't have any room in the hospitals, and that kind of, I guess, leads us to our next topic. You, you want to talk about, uh, yeah, let's talk about the, the, the governor, right? Yeah, so um, Governor New Gavin Newsom announced today that uh, he was going to be lifting all of the regional lockdown orders uh, based on projections that within the next four weeks will be at the level above uh, where the lockdown orders kick in, which is if your ICU bed capacity drops below 15%, you had to go on a regional lockdown. Um, hey, Chris, so let me let me ask you something, because I am I am not a smart man and you are you are a smart space knowing person. Um, <laughs> time. What is it? Is time a linear progression <laughs> from 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 one point to other points or is time, time is just like up? a point like is time just a point no time is not a construct because like <laughs> radioactive atoms do decay over time oh, so like there is there is time in the universe but like does it go like you know the past and then the present and then the future or or do all of those states just exist at once uh it's definitely a linear progression at least as far as we understand it at this point in time no pun intended um yeah. But so, but, but so when the when when Governor Newsom, when Gavinator Newsom says, "Hey, you're going to be, you're going to have enough ICU beds in four today. weeks," that that doesn't mean that we have enough ICU beds now, right? Cool. Like that, cool. the state that of correct. being in four weeks is not something that exists now in the present moment. He he is he is literally predicating the current opening of the state of California on a predicted. ICU bed availability that will happen sometime in February, which presumably is based on a prediction that would utilize the current state of the lockdown 
persisting as a baseline yeah, me, for that prediction. Let me let me ask you a follow up because you're kind of alluding to this. But um, <laughs> if we in the present make decisions <laughs> that are different than the decisions we are using as our prep, uh, as our, our our proposition for the the prediction, would that maybe change the outcome in the future? Like, if I'm supposed to turn left, but instead I turn right. Would that maybe lead to a, a different set of outcomes? Who can know for sure? But my my gut tells me that yes, yes. But it theoretically, does. doing things in the present can actually change the future. This is um, correct. <laughs> and so we are yeah, so fucked. The Gavinator decided basically that time as a construct doesn't exist. All points in time exist at just one localized now. Uh, and that, you, you know, predictions made through data science and modeling and like by very smart people um, are hard and fast predictions that cannot be changed by the choices we make in the present. So with that in mind, let's talk about L.A. County's um, reaction to this, because you you would think that the L.A. County Board of Supervisors would say, hey, we've disproportionately seen black and brown communities be ravaged by this disease. We know that essential workers are especially put at risk. We know that outdoor dining, we know that indoor dining, we know that gyms, we know that massage parlors, barber shops, nail salons, tattoo parlors, basically like any Card business houses. that operates indoors is is going to be kind of dangerous. And even making that activity outdoors is still dangerous. And yes. so they they immediately said that they were going to to bring in harder restrictions right here in LA to like to really clamp things down seeing as we just had to like stop air pollution laws to allow us to cremate more people uh no nope. yeah so, <laughs> so this is this is what's going to be going on on Friday night uh January 29th you yes you dear viewer can go out and dine outdoors at restaurants in L.A. County. So congratulations on that. Now, obviously, L.A. City might be a little bit different, but the city tends to follow the county. Uh, other things that are going to be open are gyms will be open for outdoor activities. Uh, card rooms will be open for outdoor activities. Card um, rooms, yay. Yeah, there's basically all of the businesses that shouldn't be open right now, they'll be allowed to, to open. But let's pull up the tweets from uh, Hilda Solis, Catherine Barger, and uh, Janice Hahn, because I think these... Paint a very interesting picture. But yeah, uh, but Janice Hahn. Yeah. Quote, yeah. now that Governor Newsom has lifted the stay-at-home order, the question is, what is L.A. County going to do? We should align ourselves with the state as much as possible, which means, among other things, reopening outdoor dining with common-sense health protocols in place. <laughs> Fuck yep. you, Janice. Yeah, uh, no, uh, go, to, go to Hilda Solis next. Oh, uh, okay. Hilda, yeah. Hilda's next. Yes. Quote, uh, this has always yeah. been a tough balance, but the financial pain has been devastating. Small businesses, particularly restaurants, have endured this pain for so long and many won't recover. Given SoCal's projected improvement in ICU capacity, we can reopen some activities safely. <laughs> yep. And this uh, is quote hold on, tweeting reader, a tweet read, from earlier. Yeah, read that tweet. So she was quote tweeting herself uh, saying... Uh, Los Angeles County will essentially align within the align with the state by the end of the week to allow for the reopening of permitted activities under the purple tier. This will include outdoor dining. Um, yep. Great. This is how we break everything is by doing all of this. 
<laughs> oh, John Motter is dragging her with pointing out the fact that she's not done anything about uh, canceling uh, rent for uh, businesses, which um, uh, yep. she could have she could have done something about that. Um, but yeah. And then lastly didn't. is uh, Catherine Barger, who um, our favorite, my favorite, your favorite. Yeah. Can we say can we say collectively she's our favorite? Sure. <laughs> Quote, I support following the governor's recommendation for L.A. County to reopen outdoor dining, personal services and other industries. Data driven and pragmatic policy is essential to protect public health while balancing social, emotional and economic impacts. This coming from the woman, uh, which you replied and said, pragmatism is when you let poor people die and the more poor people die, the more pragmatic you are, which is a good. I'm going to fave that one for you right now. Uh, The. Fact of the matter is that this is the same woman who brings Dr. Drew Pinsky in as her, you know, public health consultant number one. Uh, and he's the one that was telling everybody that COVID is not much worse than the flu back in February, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, he got a lot of shit for that, but not nearly enough because he should have... Um, frankly, lost all credibility in all spaces that he operates in because he's a terrible human being who has, you know, his activities and his uh, desire for fame and fortune for himself and a desire to be viewed as an expert on TV has led to multiple suicides uh, among the people who have been on his, um, you know, addiction treatment shows. There's a bunch of stories that we can link to that uh, directly connect the fact that he advocates for some pretty fucking terrible remedies to uh uh you know to addiction and yeah like basically forcing everybody to go cold turkey so there's some pretty nasty allegations out there but anyway but uh getting back to the original topic dr drew is the thing yeah but the thing that we're seeing from our our local government is that they're not interested in any stronger protections like they're always going to do the bare minimum for what the state sets and get like gavin newsom knew this and so uh hold on there's another link i'm gonna grab for you uh go for it yeah uh um julie wick hold on one sec I just I just love that the article in the L.A. Times about this says that all counties will return to the colored tier system that assigns local risk levels based on case numbers and rates of positive test results for coronavirus infection. Again, that image that I was showing earlier, uh, which will just is it going to show up? I guess it's not going to show up on there. Yeah, there we go. Let me just pull up that. And then we'll we'll get to the I just wanted to show the, the purple tier numbers. Come on. Come on. Go slideshow go. It's this one. Come on. I can get there. Maybe. No, there it is. So we are so far. I I mean, (laughs) I'm looking at this right now and you notice that the Tier four is like a little sliver. Tier three is also a slightly larger sliver than tier four. Tier two is a little bit smaller than tier three. I'm looking at the equity index, at least. Tier one is like everything beyond what they've categorized. It almost looks as though the colored tier system is a completely broken fucking system and has no semblance of uh, a grip on reality well, but, at this but point. also but also the the more key part here is is when you're looking at the the tier one 
LA County is all the way at the end of it. Like we're at the mm-hmm. farthest end of the spectrum away from even moving into tier three. So it's not just that we're in tier four and like close to, or sorry, it's not that we're in tier one and close to moving to tier two. Yeah. It's that we're all the way at the end of tier one, almost as far away as you can possibly be before moving up. But go to the, go to the Julie Wick tweet I just uh, put in the chat. So the way that the news broke on this wasn't that Gavin Newsom like called up the mayor of L.A. or called up the L.A. Times or told people in the press that he was going to do this. What he did was he told the restaurant owners lobbyists who then sent out an email to their members that then got leaked to the press. And then Gavin Newsom confirmed that to the press and to local government. So the people who found out about this before any of us were the people who own the restaurants. Now, the California Restaurant Association is exactly what it sounds like. It's a lobbying group for people who own restaurants and businesses that, like, own a bunch of restaurants. Not to be confused with uh, the California Realtors Association, the other CRA, which is also (laughs) terrible as all hell. Um, So those, you know, basically, if you see CRA involved in California politics, it's a bad thing. Stay away from it. But this is really a slap in the face to the rest of us. Like, we found out about this late last night. People got very angry about it because there's no reason to be happy about it. And then that continued into the day when it was actually like confirmed by the governor, which, again, he told the lobbyists for the restaurant industry before he told the rest of us. Um, we should also point Absolutely out. Absolutely fucking wild. Yeah. We should also point out. So pull up that L.A. Times article. There's a homegrown variant of um, the coronavirus that's currently circulating in L.A. and is probably the most widely circulating variant of the virus right now. Which, much mm-hmm. like the South African variant, the South African variant, the British variant, the Brazilian variant, is more infectious. No indications yet that it might be more deadly, but it could be. It takes a while to sort out that data. But we do mm-hmm. know that we have a, a, a virus that is native to Southern California that is spreading much more quickly. And this is not going to help that. Like the more a virus can spread, the more it mutates. Like every time yep. that mRNA in it like takes itself apart and puts itself back together in order to replicate, that's another chance for mutation. If that mutation turns out to be beneficial and help that virus survive better, then it it carries on and it becomes the more dominant strain. And this is really scary when we're early on in the vaccination process because these vaccines, even though they were done in a year, were based off of earlier uh, versions of the virus. So if the virus changes too much, especially in the spike protein, the part of the physical virus of its little cell that allows it to penetrate other cells and infect them with its own DNA to, to uh, multiply, then the vaccines that we're all getting right now are not going to be effective. Like, that's one of the problems with the flu, is the flu mutates so quickly over a year, you have to get another vaccine every year. It doesn't give you herd immunity. It doesn't stop you from spreading the flu. It stops you from getting sick with the flu, but you're still able to carry and transmit the flu. Just your body is good. It has enough of a chance of knocking it down before you get sick that you won't experience the worst symptoms. And that's the same thing we're doing with the COVID vaccines is getting a vaccine right now is not going to stop you from being infectious to the people around you. But what it will do is save you from the most severe symptoms and perhaps death, which is why people over the age of 65 and healthcare workers were prioritized in this. People over the age of 65 have a much higher mortality rate. And even if they survive the initial infection, there's a much better chance they're going to get a secondary infection like pneumonia that will kill them. When it comes to healthcare workers, well, you fucking need healthcare workers during a pandemic. Like you need doctors and you need nurses. And if the healthcare workers, the people with the training, to be able to deliver care are dying, 
then you don't have anybody to help the rest of the sick people. So when I see the stories about people hopping in line, it really kind of annoys me because we are competing with each other for doses. Like we are in a scarcity mindset here because we don't have enough doses to go around. If you've been trying to book appointments for people that are elderly in your life, it has been impossible. I've spent the last three days trying to book an appointment for a friend's dad because my friend is out of the country and his dad is 76 and can't do this on his own. I have not been able to get an appointment. I'm going to keep trying. Like I was on hold today for an hour and a half calling the like COVID hotline. Didn't get through there. Just kept refreshing the website, kept going through. There are not vaccine appointments to be had in LA County. There are a mm -hmm. shit ton of people being left behind here. And they're the people in the neighborhoods and the demographics that always get left behind. They're the people that are being forgotten by the city and by the county. And what we're seeing instead is a lot of people in wealthy and affluent areas who don't necessarily need the vaccine till for now, who could stay at home, who could quarantine, who could keep themselves safe, are hopping in line to get that vaccine, even though that won't change transmission rates. It will only protect them. This is like, this is not the way we should be doing this. And there's a lot of criticisms of the county. There's a lot of criticisms of the city and the federal government, the way this was rolled out. But like, holy shit, like we also need to be mindful of like who actually needs this vaccine and who we're trying to save. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so Ananya had a really great tweet about this uh, where she said, quote, since my TL is growing up on vaccine grabs, one COVID-19 has disproportionately impacted working class communities of color. We are not all in this together Two, vaccine distribution systems have willfully failed to prioritize outreach to these communities. And then in the second tweet. Three, those with race class ableist advantage are capitalizing on the excuse of vaccines going to waste and reproducing inequalities. Four, this is a grab of resources enabled by deliberate state failure akin to housing grabs that we at Challenge Inequality analyze. And then links to her paper. Um, yeah. yeah, shit is fucked up. And this is really, really fucking bad. To, to the point what you were making earlier, that just uh, from the LA Times about this new variant, Quote, two independent research groups said that they stumbled upon a new strain while looking for signs that a highly transmissible variant of the United from the United Kingdom had established itself here. This is in California. Instead, they found a new branch of the virus's family tree, one whose sudden rise and distinctive mutations have made it a prime suspect in California's vicious holiday surge. So they think that this new like there's you're hearing about this now on like NPR or wherever you're listening, that there is now the Los Angeles variant of COVID-19. So congratulations, Los Angeles. We did it. We yep. are now making things worse for the entire world. So let's, uh, let's, let's move on to the one, like, uh, well, there were a couple okay things that happened this week, but let's move on to this White House memo on COVID relief. Yeah. Memorandum to extend federal support to governor's use of National Guard. Corporate, dot, 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 dot. Uh, the main well, no, read that to, re to respond to to respond to COVID nineteen and to increase reimbursement and other assistance provided to states. Yes, and it's that's it's to increase reimbursement is the part that I really want y'all to focus on. Yes, that's the important part here. That is correct. Uh, the reason why that's important is because uh, the. One of the things that people have been using as an excuse for why they can't do things like, I don't know, uh, renting out hotel rooms to house our unhoused populations has because they've always been able to say, well, we don't have the money to be able to do that. And if the if the uh, uh, hotels aren't going to operate in good faith to reach a negotiated price that we can actually afford, then we can't do it. 
But now the White House has basically said that they will co they will cover 100% of the costs of using non-congregate housing uh, for unhoused individuals, which means that literally our city and county and state are all out of excuses for why they're not commandeering the goddamn hotels and putting people up in them right the fuck now. Um, but yeah, so this memorandum uh, outlines steps for the Secretary of Defense and Secretary of Homeland Security to take to help state step help states meet the COVID challenges. It allows them to call up the National Guard to provide support. Um, but the uh, again, the the interesting thing here is the quote to provide for the safe opening and oper operation of eligible schools, childcare facilities, healthcare facilities, non-congregate shelters, domestic violence shelters, transit systems, and other eligible applicants. Uh, such assistance may include funding for the provision of personal protective equipment and disinfecting services and supplies. So all that shit that you need to get things starting to reopen in a safe manner, you can get funded uh, from the federal government at 100% reimbursement rates, which is really fucking good. Yep. Like legitimately yeah, that's good. A, so, no, and that's, that's you know, we talked a little bit uh on the uh, on Knock at Night about uh, Kevin yeah. DeLeon's plan to turn Staples Center into a congregate housing facility, mm -hmm. basically like a warehouse shelter style. And this is a reason to not even have to pursue that plan. Hell like yeah. this is a reason why we can just get people their individual rooms and the federal government will just give us the money to do it because the federal government can just print money. Like the federal yeah. government can just print money to make this happen. And this is the time when this you should be doing trick. that. Like if we're... If we're going to be experimenting with modern monetary theory, giving people housing is a great way to start that experiment. Fully endorse that idea. Uh, but yeah, so, and oh, uh, also we could use this to do uh, public transit, but um, yep. they, prob they probably won't. Yeah. So, All right. yeah, that's, that's fun. So another kind of good thing that's happening uh, that we'll touch on real quickly is uh, Gil Cedillo is looking into how we can buy Hillside Villa. And Hillside Villa, you might remember, is a housing complex uh, privately owned uh, but subsidized by the state as an affordable housing affordable housing covenant. There we go. I can, I can speak yep. words. Um, and so it's going to cost about $50 million to buy. Gil Cedillo, after a lot of community pressure, is finally moving forward on this. Uh, so it looks like the city council is going to try and drum up $46 million to buy Hillside Villa, turn it into social housing, something you might know as public housing, and ensure that the people who are living there can continue living there so their predatory landlords can't continue to treat them as a profit center, exploit them, and not fix the building. This was also something that Jacob Wucher wrote about uh, for Knock several months ago, I want to say almost a year ago, about how easy it would be for the city of L.A. to buy Hillside Villa. Like $50 million in a city with an $11 billion annual budget is literally a drop in the bucket. Like this could mm -hmm. be so easily done, and it's a plan that activists and tenants have had for a while. It's really cool to see City Hall finally catching up with this. If you want to check it out for yourself, uh, you can check it out as council file number 20-0418-S2. So that's 20-0418-S2. Uh, and hopefully we'll be seeing some movement on this quick. Like, we saved $150 million on LAPD this year. It seems like one-third of that could easily be used to, like, secure housing for dozens of people. And then we can, like, move on. Fun story. Uh, Nuri has, uh, I believe... Another, she's got a little bit more time to uh, respond to the fact that the mayor vetoed her plan for how she was going to spend that $150 million that was pulled back from the LAPD's budget increase. Again, yeah. we didn't actually 
cut the budget by 150. We just didn't increase it by another 150. Um, And instead we're dedicating that money and Nuri wants to spend it repairing sidewalks, which is an equity issue, but it's not really what people were having in mind when they were talking about creating alternatives to policing. Um, Also the the way that that, that those funds are generally used by city council is as a slush fund. Like every city council office gets like a million dollars a year that they can use for like small projects like that. And what they tend to do is to reward their wealthy donors by fixing small issues in their neighborhood while ignoring like, they're poor working class neighborhoods that are also in their district. And we've seen that play out time and time again. You know, if you're in CD5 and you go to the uh, the wealthy parts of like Century City or the wealthier parts of like Brentwood, they have really, really nice sidewalks. You go to the, the yeah, poorer parts of Venice in so far as they still exist. And uh, yeah, stuff looks a, a lot rougher all of a sudden. You You start getting down towards the airport and like, you know, a little bit farther south, and yeah, things look a lot worse. It's almost, uh, it's almost like there's a, a bunch of systemic racism built in there. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't really yeah, have let's, a good uh, yeah. segue. Well, no, I was going to say this is another good city council development, um, sort of good. Um, Mitch Englander, a noted doer of crimes and reserve LAPD officer, uh, was finally sentenced, and we've talked about this a little bit because. He was looking at possibly no jail time. Like, the feds yep. wanted to sentence him to two years. Uh, the federal probation department was like, nah, this white-collar criminal who took hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes, gutted affordable housing complexes, did all of this crime, you know, we'll just give him a little slap on the wrist. He can pick up some trash and, you know, maybe pay a $9,000 fine. It'll, it'll be good. He'll, he'll learn his lesson from that. I think it's actually the hundreds of thousands of dollars is a uh, really a Huizar thing. I don't think Englander ever quite got that big. I think his was in the more tens of thousands, but yes. I thought he was uh, getting like boxes full of cash, right? No, no, no. That was, that, that was Huizar. Uh, Englander was getting an envelope full of cash in a, a Palm Springs casino bathroom. Uh, well, but among, also like when they were and, in and Vegas, escorts. right? Like the, the Vegas oh, that thing was, alone. That one was a $30,000 table service, but that, or bottle service, um, and then escorts. So I don't think he quite hit, I don't think he quite hit six figures. Um, but I'm not super down with all of the, the minutia of the, the Mitch Englander situation. I did, I did appreciate that the LA times, um, on the 23rd. So, you know, two days before sentencing, uh, was handed down, um, ran with a, uh, a column titled Mitch Englander deserves more than a slap on the wrist. Put this man in prison. Uh, and then they, they open it up with a bit of a powerful first sentence from LA times quote, Mitchell Englander betrayed the public trust and he should go to prison for his crimes. Period. <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, they continue. Yes. Locking people up is costly to taxpayers. and The United States does too much of it. We need to think about whether we're jailing people unnecessarily or counterproductively. And Englander, a former Los Angeles councilman with no previous criminal history, doesn't pose an immediate danger on the streets the way a freed serial killer would. But in this case, some time behind bars is warranted. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he uh, was accused of I pocketing mean, honestly, envelopes I would, containing I would, 15 grand in cash. I, I know we can, we'll never be able to have an accounting of how many people died because affordable housing wasn't built yeah. for them. But yeah. uh, I'm going to bet that he has a body count. Like, uh, I'm going yeah. to bet that he does. Like, he may not have strangled them with his own hands, but his actions led to death. So I feel very confident he, saying that. He absolutely has his own contribution to the, the four a day that have died in 2020 um, as a result of shelters that weren't built. Um, his district, CD12, is one of the districts that has the 
Um, I think like three shelter beds were added uh, in when they were trying to create the like they yeah. literally were the worst uh, worst performing on the everyone in uh, like uh, subsidized unit tracker. Um, CD twelve was oh, yeah, absolutely I mean, the fucking yeah. worst. And John Lee, his his um, his uh, yeah. scion, his his heir apparent, as it were, who won the election, um, it campaigned on the the promise to kill shelters, to simply not let them exist in his district. And this isn't even mentioning Aliso Canyon, which existed in Mitch Englinger's district, which he refused to consider even shutting down, saying, "No, no, we need those jobs." Like I know you're all being poisoned by benzene and like the largest natural gas leak in the history of the United States, but the jobs, the jobs, the jobs, Chris, the jobs, the germs, they're going for our germs. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So spoiler alert, Mitch Englander was sentenced to 14 months in prison this morning. Um, and, uh, and a $15,000 fine and three years of supervised probation. No, no, so, or sorry, uh, no, no, 90, 9,500. Oh no, wait, they 15, did increase 000. to 15,000. Yeah. Oh, well, no, no, no. The, the probation department was saying that's their suggestion was 9,500. Oh. The, the judge used their discretion to kick it up to 15,000 because yeah. the judge ultimately <laughs> decides the sentence. Um, but uh, on top of that, he has three years of supervised release, which is three years of probation. So, you know, it, when you get your sentence, you're only going to serve like 50, well, between 40 and 60 percent of it because of like the way that the prison uh, alignment actually works nowadays. So he'll most mm -hmm. likely be in prison for like six months or so. Uh, and then once he's out after that, he'll be on probation for, uh, I believe, for three years. Uh, I, I think the rest of his time will kind of like slough off after that. But so for three years, he's going to have to not take any bribes. And I'm not sure how that's going to impact his new job as an executive <laughs> at the sports marketing company that he joined. Not in a cha not in a way to, like, profit off the Olympics in any way, shape, or form, I assure you. Uh, he, mm -hmm. he, only, he only joined a sports marketing firm uh, in the city that is holding the Olympics in 2028 purely out of the, the goodness of his own heart because he really believes in the mission of sports marketing. Uh, but, yeah, let's uh, – yeah. Now that we've gotten through the good, let's get to some really, really the bad. And uh, let's talk about the L.A. Sheriff's Department, which we haven't covered in a while. Um, and uh, there was so much more news that went down this week. But we're going to we're going to contain ourselves to this last story because it's actually like three well, stories in one. So what one, one quick thing that I was going to point out um, that I, I'm just seeing here, because there's, there's a there's a whole bunch of really good tweets um, about this whole situation. Um, but this is a really fun one. Uh, that Scott was Scott was Scott Frazier was live tweeting what was going on at this sentencing hearing and pointed out that the counsel, uh, the lawyer had incorrectly claimed that Englander's lies had no impact on his public career because he would have been termed out anyway, which is completely false, as Scott points out. Uh, he resigned amid the investigation in the middle of his second term of three possible, which is why there was a fucking special goddamn election. David Zanheiser from the LA Times correctly points out that had he not resigned and pleaded guilty to a felony, Englander would have been eligible to run for re-election in 2020. So what the fuck is going on with this entire thing? Like they're they're grossly misrepresenting what he has done and who he is. And just and the they they kept referring to the fact that he's like a reservist police officer who they're just glossing over the fact that a reservist police officer who repeatedly lies to federal investigators about the crimes that he has committed, that he is therefore a still somehow an upstanding citizen and guilty and and uh, I mean, worthy of some level of leniency. That's what, well, that's you know, here's the thing is he he is a cop. So 
lying on the stand is, is very much pop behavior. However, however, he did get called out for it on this one. And the judge actually did, did note that in her decision. Part yes. of that, though, is that he was only a reserve officer. So we can't expect that he's going to get all the rights and privileges of a fully sworn officer. Fair, fair, you know, had fair. he been a real LAPD officer, he probably would have gotten away with lying on the stand. But because he was just a volunteer reserve officer, he, he doesn't get the lie on the stand. You know, he doesn't get to carry a gun. He doesn't get to lie on the stand. There's, you know, there's there's some differences between him and, and the, the real LAPD cops, as it were. But yep. so, uh, before well, we spend wait, too wait, much one, time one, on... One last, one last quote. Just one last quote, please. Uh, the <laughs> U.S. District Judge John F. Walter said Englander had shown arrogance and greed in, quote-unquote, brazenly covering up his misconduct. He rejected England's explanation that he'd simply been trying to protect his reputation. I yep. love that little detail because protecting your reputation... Uh, in the ways that he did. And then it's just, there is so much more damage to his reputation that came out of, as a result of the way he tried to cover it all up than could have possibly been done. If he had just been honest and forthright about the shit he was doing uh, is just, I love that detail so much about this. Go fuck yourself, Mitch Englander and uh, yeah. John Lee. You're going to be caught too. Um, yeah. but All right, yes. let's, uh, Sorry. let's let's move on to the sheriff's department already. <laughs> yes, this is yes. going to be a long one. So, so the the LA sheriff's department uh, is still under investigation for having literal gangs in it, uh, as well as the uh, the deputies who killed Andres Guardado. Uh, are, turns out we're bad all along, and Javier Becerra really? uh, is also investigating the LA Sheriff's Department. So let's let's break this down Wait, as quick as we can. Which 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 one do you want, the Javier Becerra or the one from LAS first? Uh, whichever. Which which one do you feel like, Chris? Let's do this. Let's do the LAS one. So all right. Uh, quote according to a report by Loyola Law School's Center for Juvenile Law and Policy. Uh, they identified 11, quote-unquote, deputy gangs and seven, quote-unquote, subgroups. Some have tattoos, hand signals, and rituals that are similar to a criminal street gang, it said. Um, continuing, many of the groups, quote, foster a culture of violence and escalate uses of force against community members, said Loyola Law School professor Sean Kennedy. Uh, he led the study and also sits on the L.A. County Civilian Oversight Commission, so good on you, bud. Uh, continuing, quote, Villanueva, Villanueva recently said 26 deputies faced discipline in connection with the attack, which prompted uh, him to write a new policy outlawing such cliques. Uh, cliques? Cliques? Uh, but critics have said he's done too little to enforce it, and Villanueva has previously minimized them as social groups, referring to bad behavior as, quote-unquote, hazing run amok. The so fuck? The, the, the quote that really got me was the sheriff's department said in a statement that Quote, it, that it is, quote, aware of the non-peer review report containing non-academically acceptable citations and unproven allegations as a primary basis for content. Um, and this is coming from a department that we know just makes shit up after they murder people. Uh, but so so there, there are several gangs that are believed to be active here, and I think the names just say a lot of it. So I'm just going to read the names of the the groups that we believe to be active in the LA Sheriff's Department, the Banditos, the Cowboys, the Executioners, and the Executions are in Compton. They're the ones that are linked to the uh, Guardados uh, murder, the Grim Reapers, the Rattlesnakes, the Regulators, and the Spartans. So those are all touchy-feely names. Um, other groups that are, uh, that are 
may no longer be active or were known to be previously active were the Buffalo Soldiers, which this is an interesting one because the Buffalo Soldiers were sort of black deputies in different stations across L.A. And so they may actually have been more of a protection sort of group than they were like a violent gang and may have actually cool. been there to sort of push back against some of the inherent racism in L.A. Sheriff's Department. A lot of a lot of black fraternities come from that, and a lot of fraternities in general that have their roots in like a certain ethnic heritage came together because they wanted some form of protection. Um, mm -hmm. It's it, it. No one's quite sure, but at least with the Buffalo Soldiers, there's some questions there as to exactly what the intent of of that particular clique was. Uh, other ones that exist or may have existed rather are the Cavemen, the Jump Out Boys, the Little Red Devils, the Pirates, the Posse the Tasmanian Devils, the 3,000 Boys, the 2,000 Boys, the Vikings, and the Wayside Whiteys. And the Wayside Whiteys, um, yeah, they, they're what? just a, a white supremacist group, uh, just straight up white supremacist group. I would also say the 3,000 Boys, you might remember that name from a few years ago when they got into a drag-down knockout fight with some other deputies at a holiday party, uh, which oh, required yeah. other police to be called. Uh, to break up the fight amongst L.A. Sheriff's Department employees. So that's always a really, really good one. Uh, however, so these uh, these cliques, these gangs, these subgroups, whatever like word you want to use, has triggered an investigation by the state. So tell us about what uh, A.G. Bercera is getting into. Cool. Well, rather, California. He's, sorry, soon-to-be former A.G. Bercera, uh, because he's actually moving on up to, uh, to D.C., uh, to join the Biden administration, and we're going to have to elect a new oh, attorney general. Hell. <sighs> Quote, California Attorney General Javier Becerra on Friday announced he is launching a civil rights investigation into the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, an agency beset by allegations of, by, of deputy misconduct, controversial shootings, and resistance to oversight from Sheriff Alex Villanueva. Uh, the investigation will probe whether the sheriff's department, the largest in the country, routinely violates people's constitutional rights. Becerra, whose office has been called on in recent months to look into an agency that watchdogs claim is shrouded in secrecy, no shit, said he was spurred to action by credible reports of excessive force by deputies, as well as retaliation and other missteps involving the department's management. Here's another quote from him. Quote, there are serious concerns and reports that accountability and adherence to legitimate policing practices have lapsed at the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, Becerra said, uh, who is likely on his way out to join the Biden's cabinet. Um, blah, blah, blah. Continues, quote, we are undertaking this investigation to determine if LASD has violated the law or the rights of the people of Los Angeles County. And quote, and uh, let's save you some time, Javier. They have a lot it should be a really simple investigation like this they are guilty as shit yeah. um so as a as a little bit of an example of them being guilty as shit um honestly i don't want to read through this whole article because it you you do kind of need to read through this whole article we'll include this in it's, the, in the it's show notes it's very it, it's very lengthy but we'll we'll just kind of hit the the main takeaways um but it's it's pretty dark like there's a lot of it's violence so there's a lot of state dark. violence and police violence and uh yeah it's um you know LA Sheriff's Department is the largest gang in LA County 100% um so basically there's this story that came out um related to Deputy Miguel Vega who is the same deputy Miguel Vega that shot and killed Andres Guardado. 
um, back in, that was June uh, of 2020. Uh, so there's this story from uh, Jesus Alegria, who was skateboarding uh, when he, so he was skateboarding with a group of his friends when he was approached by the sheriff deputy and his partner um, and basically just harassed and then thrown into the back of the car without like any real semblance of, of urgency to it. They just kind of came in and were clearly in like what appears to be some kind of a bullying situation of just being uh, thugs, basically running amok and doing whatever the fuck they want. Um, they proceed to end up getting into this, like it's a high speed chase for no fucking reason. Uh, and then they crash the car into a, a concrete wall. They end up like injuring this guy in the back seat because you're, you're, you're supposed to secure anyone in the back seat of the car with a seatbelt. They intentionally seemingly didn't secure him with a seatbelt so that he could be thrown around in the car while they drove recklessly. Um, like this is, there's so many crazy allegations in here about basically intended harm from the deputies against Jesus Alegria. And this happened all, what was this back? Uh, when, when exactly did this happen? It was months before, it was almost a year ago at this point that this happened. Um, and it, it happened far enough, you know, in the past that had the sheriff's deputies been in any way investigated and and if Jesus's story had been uh, looked into and given any credence, uh, we might not have seen Deputy Vega murdering Andres Guardado, allegedly, uh, because he would have been taken off of the streets because he was doing some wild fucking shit. Like there's, there's these stories about that. They were going to take uh, Jesus and drop him off in another, in a gang territory and tell members of the community that he belonged to a, a rival gang, basically setting him up to get murdered. Like it's the whole story is just absolutely fucking bonkers. Highly recommend everybody read it because it's really, really important just to get a real sense of what the hell is going on uh, in our sheriff's department and part of well, like and also, really understanding what, what the need for these investigations is. And what's been going on in our district attorney's office for the last, yes. like, you know, since 2013 for the last seven years yes. under Jackie Lacey, because she would have been the person in charge of investigating or getting these investigations launched. And they just weren't, it didn't matter how much criminality, it didn't matter how many complaints there were against officers the district attorney's office simply does not consider themselves to be the office that's supposed to investigate the police, even though yep. that is their job. And this is one reason why George Gascone wanting to build an independent investigation arm within the police department is so staggeringly important and so immensely important for us to do and us to support. Like, Gascon's got a whole bunch of very angry people on Facebook who want to recall him and a lot of, like, millionaires from Oklahoma. We're, oh no! And we the have to be ready to up. fight that. We need to defend the gains. Is it still breaking up? Uh, it's getting it's getting real choppy. Uh, you started to talk about Gascon having. Uh, we have to be ready. Well, we have to be ready to defend the gains that we yes. won by getting Gascon elected. Like yeah. we can't just say, "Hey, we voted for Gascon. We got him into office." Now we can just move on. No, 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 no. We have to play active defense here. We have to make sure that Gascon stays in office. We have to know that he has the political cover for these reforms. Measure mm -hmm. J passed overwhelmingly 
Prison realignment, incredibly popular. Things that we're doing to decarcerate the state of California are really, really important. But those gains, if we don't defend them, will be lost. So that's the that's where I'm going to slash rant on that one. Yeah, no, that is totally appropriate. Um, the final quote from this story really just sums it up where uh, Jesus Alegria um, they, the LA Times says he thinks back on that day with disbelief. Quote, I thought it only happened in movies, he said. I'm just glad I made it out alive. F- fuck. Yeah, it, it's absolutely the stuff of of a living nightmare that he went through that is something that should only exist in movies, but you can't make this shit up. L- LA Sheriff's Department is f- that fucking bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what else? That, what else we that got? That pretty much that pretty much runs us out of our stories oh. here. Yeah. So does. we can we can go on to yeah moving on to uh, to things <laughs> that uh, people can do in the next week. This the rest of the week. I, I'm going to be um, here once again, uh, live tweeting the city council. Um, I might try to break my brain by looking at also what's going on at the LA County Board of Supervisors, or at least start with the LA County Board of Supervisors uh, prior to the fact that the LA City Council, because Board of Supervisors starts at 9.30, there'll be a good half hour of content. They actually start on time. Uh, City Council doesn't start on time because Nuri Martinez doesn't believe in time. She thinks that it is a construct. Um, so... (laughs) Chris, I mean, as we as we just established, <laughs> the official policy of the the state of California is that all time <laughs> exists in one now. So exactly. you know, time is an uh, illusion. <sighs> Lunchtime, doubly so. Meetings starting on time, trebly so. Yeah. So uh, Nuri won't start the meeting on time. She's only been like seven minutes late lately, though. So that's like uh, she's she's fifty percent better than she has been. Um, but I, I, I don't know how long she's going to keep this up. I think that this is genuinely just a, it's January and, uh, they came off of a three week vacation. So let's see how long this, uh, uh, bit of timeliness continues to stick around with them. Uh, there is going to be a board of supervisors meeting that's happening simultaneously. So that should be interesting to see. Um, but coming up next weekend, on Sunday, so the you know six days from what we're doing right now, uh, well, a little bit less than six days because we're going to start at five. Uh, on January 31st at 5 p.m., Rob Kwan and I will be w- joining together with Alex Cave from K Town for All to talk about public comment and how it works, where you can give it, how you can give it, a couple of tips about how to give it better. And uh, hopefully a bit of the history about, you know, the th- and, and we'll also be talking about the gains that have been made as a direct result of public comment, because um, it might feel like you're screaming into the void. And I mean, when you're screaming at Nuri, it kind of is screaming into the void, but some other people are listening. Uh, she's just not one of them. Um, although she does, she still does thank Rob every time that he eviscerates her in public comment. Uh, she definitely does not thank everyone. Um but she's actually met Rob before, so I think that there's she can put a face to the name rather than it's just a voice from a phone that she can't yeah. really associate with a human a, hum, a human being behind it. Um, yeah. There's some terms yeah, no, for that, but, but even, I'm not going to get but, into the psychology know, of it. <laughs> but yeah, giving you know, I'm sure y'all will talk about this. But you know, giving public comment <laughs> it isn't just a chance to yell at people; it's also a chance no. to show support. 
for the people Absolutely. on council who are doing the right thing or trying to do the yes. right thing. And that actually matters, like showing the it rest does. of council that like Nithya Raman and Mike Bonin aren't just off on a wild one, that actually people in the city support what they're doing, help builds political pressure for what's happening behind closed doors. Because a lot of the work of council happens away from the public. And like yep. there's a whole messy process back there because we have a, a massive, massive bureaucracy that that council oversees. And like, it's a weird, strange process, but getting involved in it, even as little as like taking a minute out of your life, well, it's it's less than that because you gotta sit on hold, but taking that minute out of your life to give that comment and let city council know what you think, it becomes part of the official record. Like that stuff does. does get noted down. Support and opposition does get counted to an extent People have an idea before they vote on something, how the public feels about it. And now there is a new digital comment portal that you can use for L.A. City Hall, which is still not as nice as the one that you can use for the L.A. County Board. But it's a vast improvement over what we had six months ago, which was literally no way to make digital public comment to L.A. City Hall, aside from sending an email to your individual council member, which a field deputy would open, look at, and then immediately ignore. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, I, I think call, Paul Koretz is on the record yeah. saying, we never even looked at support and opposition. We just didn't was, care. And you're like, thanks, was, dude. That's great. Yep. I was literally about to uh, cite that exact example. Um, no, he is he is my <laughs> shitty city council member. I I get to shit on Paul Koretz. I just get to shit on KDL for trying to set up a congregate shelter in the midst of a global goddamn pandemic, well, get, at which we know, are the get, fucking get, epicenter. Yeah, you get you get preference in it, you know. So like you get to do it first. That's all I'm saying. It's you know, it's not like it's not like an exclusive thing. It's more like an order of preference, a first well, among equals, as it were. But but here's the thing: is that we all get to vote against uh, Paul Koretz in 2022. So we yeah. can all take solace in the fact that we can hand him an electoral defeat, because there's literally no one in this city uh, who is currently running for city controller who is less qualified. Uh, to be the city controller than Paul fucking Koretz. Um, don't vote for Paul Koretz. Yeah. He's a terrible, yeah. terrible person. Like, yeah. he's a terrible councilman. He would be a terrible yeah. controller. He's just an an asshole, just a total asshole. And, and there, there are going to be better options in the race. Like, there's already Absolutely. two really strong progressives. Like, it's going to be a really interesting, really, yeah. like, Really hectic race for what's generally a pretty sleepy position. But you know what, Chris? <laughs> We've been at it for, for an hour and 15 minutes. We have. And, we uh, have. Yeah, I want to go mix myself a drink. Yeah, I want to go mix myself a drink because, you know, <laughs> as, we, as we hurtle towards the apocalypse, I ate myself a gigantic burrito, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a couple glasses of scotch. Uh, and uh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and pretend that it was all a, a terrible, a fever dream. terrible, terrible <laughs> dream. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm going to be wearing my camouflage so that Gavin Newsom can't find me and murder me with COVID. Oh, you mean you mean like this? Um, so, yes, as always, if you all have any events that you want us to be taking part in, publicizing or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can find us on our Ground Game LA Facebook page uh, at Ground Game LA on Twitter, at Ground Game LA on Instagram. Uh, this podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA. You can support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. Of course, check the description of this podcast for sources, links to action, and general social media links. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we're all going to somehow manage to get through this together because our elected officials are certainly not doing anything to help. Yep. Stay safe out there, y'all. It's, uh, it's going to be a wild one. Stay home. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. 
uh, just you know, stay fucking safe because uh, we're going to have to yeah. protect us. The people in power have no interest in doing that. Love y'all. Have a good night, everybody. Stay safe. Stay home. Peace.